Good morning, and welcome to our service this morning, everyone. Good morning. Please turn to number 433, and we'll begin this morning's worship with Near to the Heart of God. call to worship. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 42, verses 1 to 5. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my me day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Amen. 
Amen. And speaking of being thirsty, remember the beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it is in Jesus that our soul is made well. We will continue worshiping, singing number 453, It Is Well With My Soul.
even so. Let us pray. Three in one, God, we've gathered here this morning to worship you. We thank you that as your body, we get to come together in person, face to face, but may you help us to focus on you. It's all about you and all about what Jesus has done for us. Everything he's done for us in everything we say and do, may he be glorified. Please just remove all the clutter from our souls. Please block out any distractions. And may you be our all in all this morning as we worship you. Amen. And now let us take our bulletin inserts and we will pray this prayer of confession written by the Archbishop of Canterbury close to 600 years ago. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And that's what I love about these established liturgies of the church that is written so biblically. It's just full of all kinds of gospel, biblical truth. In fact, it's almost redundant to recite John's promise, but I'll do it anyway because it's embodied in the prayer and this is God's answer. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us continue to worship the Lord with two powerful songs. The first one, extolling his holiness. Number two, holy, holy, holy. And the second one, proclaiming and testifying that it's all in the blood of Jesus and nothing else. Number 264. Number two and number 264.
Amen. And now we will have the reading of God's word this morning. Scripture this morning is from St. John 7, verses 37 through 52, and Psalm 147. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, And ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that come to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before I hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. This is Psalm 147, verses 1 to 11. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, he called them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. <clears throat> he giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Almost in unison. <laughs> And now uh, let us take our songbooks and go to the very back or near the very back and let us recite the Nicene Creed. It's number 626. 
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And that has pretty much a little bit of everything of the gospel. Well, let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Creator God, we praise and thank you for your great concern and care for us in sending your son to pay the price for our flaws and brokenness that we can never overcome in our own strength. And after his death and resurrection to life, he returned to you and you both sent the spirit of living water to us, to be in us, so we would be changed into his likeness to bring glory to you by grace through his faithfulness. Glory be to thee, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Please, Advance your kingdom on earth through us and give us the courage and strength to be truth in your love for the work will be beyond our unaided capacities. But by your spirit, enable us to discern and do 
your will for us. Help us to live day by day by the grace that we receive in the Savior King. And because we continue to fall short of all you desire for us, even as we are making some progress in Jesus, please forgive us. And as he taught us, may we always quickly and sincerely forgive others. And please help us to live in your holiness in a world where there is so much evil and the majority of people are still under the control of the adversary who's always accusing. And we pray for people suffering around the world, especially those in Turkey and Syria where tens of thousands have died and there have been over a hundred aftershocks. Please comfort them by the Holy Spirit and through your people, the Church of Jesus. We pray for our oppressed and persecuted brothers and sisters in Russia, China, North Korea, Ukraine, South America, Canada, and even here in the United States. Help us to all stand strong for life and also for how you perfectly designed our identity at birth. Please overcome the tendency in all of our lives to make us the sovereign of our own selves and to identify to ourselves the way we want to be, make ourselves kings to the exclusion of you and others. We confess that we have not loved you with all that we are, and therefore we cannot love others as you desire for us to do. And for our local body right here in in Clinton and the surrounding towns, we pray for Ray and his family, for Joe's family. We pray for Elan. We pray for Allie, and especially this morning for her sister-in-law, Judy, who is very ill right now. We pray for Peter and Linda and Billy and their family. Father, we also pray uh, for Debbie. Um, It's going to be over a month before her car can finally get repaired to 100%. And please give her strength with all that she's dealing with right now and all of her life by grace and through faith. We pray for Ken and Christine and Kurt and Dory and Kurt's aunt. Father, we also uh, lift up Alan Carroll and uh, also today, Noel and Darren and John and Angie. And Father, I, I really ask for help. Uh, Help me to explain, interpret, and apply your word clearly and calmly, even though it is so exciting and awesome in its glory, because in it you disclose your glory. I'm just confessing that every time I've gone through it, I've gotten ahead of myself, and please just help me to Say it clearly, calmly, that all may see your glory in the scriptures we've heard this morning. 
And now, because our words always fall short, we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words of the prayer Jesus taught his followers, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And now, uh, before we go deeper into the word, let's sing this song. I absolutely love it. Number 305, The Love of God. That's what it's all about. Number 305. Shall forevermore endure 
God's ways are not our ways. And this is especially true of Jesus' death on the cross to redeem broken humanity and the glory that came to him after he did this. In fact, through Isaiah, the covenant God Yahweh predicted that after everything had been made level, the glory of God would be revealed. In fact, I heard an excerpt from Handel's Messiah last week that said exactly that. It's a great song. Now, however, as flawed and finite people, we want to be made right and to reign with God right now. Okay? We just don't have the patience to let him do his slow, but more than sufficient work in us. We long for the day when Jesus will come. And when he's coming in his glory, remember Matthew 25, and he will declare us to be his sheep and we will enter into his inheritance. That's the promise I saw in a different part of scripture this morning. But this is not God's way, people. Okay? First, first, we must share in the sufferings of Jesus, and only then to be um, glorified in his resurrection. Okay? That's from Philippians. Now, in our passages this morning, Jesus promises all who believe in him as a way of life, not just an occasional thing, but continuously. Rivers of living water will flow from them when they receive the Spirit. And as John interprets it for us, that happened after Jesus was fully glorified. Now, when Jesus said this, it resulted in a division among the people. Some, many, were saying he's the prophet. He's the Messiah. But others were saying Messiah does not come from Galilee as he does, but rather from Bethlehem. And the Jewish leaders, the vast majority of them, considered Jesus a deceiver. Okay? And they too knew the prophecies, they knew scripture. But Nicodemus, one of them, said they should be open to hearing more from Jesus. Then the psalm we heard this morning, and I realize it pulls everything together, okay? It praises and thanks the creator God for his continuing care for all that he has created, all of creation. It tells of his grace to those with reverent fear for him and hoping in his steadfast love. And now this has been ultimately, ultimately and fully shown in his son, Jesus Christ. 
to his glory, to the glory of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So now let's go deeper, deeper, and pray that as a result of this scripture this morning, God will be glorified in us, the body of Jesus Christ. So the John passage has two parts. And it's kind of an inverted pyramid. It's like journalism. The climax comes right in the beginning. Jesus promises those believing in him that rivers of living water will flow from them. Some believe he's the prophet. But there's a division among these people because he is from Galilee. So as we go through this passage, right up front, we're told on the last day of tabernacles, Jesus promises to those believing in him that rivers of living water will flow from them, meaning the spirit who is not yet. So let's go through it phrase by phrase. But in the last day, the great of the feast, Jesus had been standing And he said, if anyone may be thirsting, he must come to me and he must drink. Okay, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. We read a portion from the latter part of the chapter. Right at the beginning of chapter, we're told it's the Feast of Tabernacles, which was the last of the seven annual feasts, and they're all laid out in Leviticus 23. And what is Jesus doing here? He's paraphrasing the prophet Isaiah, where the Holy Spirit is calling all who are thirsty that they should come to the three-in-one God, Yahweh the covenant God, to receive water and whole milk without any cost. It's a free, gracious gift. Jesus goes on to say, the one believing in me, as scripture has said, rivers from his belly will flow, will flow living water of living water. So this word believing is in the continuous present tense. In fact, it's a participle saying, this is who a person is the very essence of a person who is continually having faith in Jesus. It's not a sometime thing. Now, living water, if you do a word search, you'll find it twice in scripture in the prophecy of Isaiah. And Yahweh referred to himself as the living water. Now, unfortunately, Jeremiah is always pointing out you're going to Babylon in no time at all. God is angry with you. And what is he saying? He's saying, you've forsaken me, the living water. It's because of your sin of making your own broken wells that can't even contain water. When you've had the living water all along, you're trying to do it yourself. And the result of rejecting the living water will be your shame. And now John, under the spirit, gives his little editorial opinion here. But this he spoke concerning the spirit being about to receive those believing in him because the spirit was not yet being because not yet 
being glorified, referring to Jesus. So again, Jesus' faithful followers would receive the Spirit, but not until after Pentecost, the first Pentecost after his resurrection. So after the glory of both his death and his resurrection, and Jesus had ascended back to his father, as we read in the creed, then the two of them together sent the spirit of living water to his faithful followers. Both of these came some two years later. But right here, Jesus promises the living water of the spirit to those faithful. And then going on, all of the rest is reaction to this promise. We're told many were saying this is truly the prophet. Others, this is the Messiah. But some said the Messiah is not coming from Galilee. So there is division in the people. People are always divided into two camps. That's just the way it is. So again, we'll go through it phrase by phrase. Therefore, from the people, after hearing these words, many were saying this is being truly the prophet. Others saying, this is being the Messiah. Now, again, we've run across this a lot in John's gospel. Moses, in his second speech, his second iteration of the law for a people who would be settled on the other side of the Jordan, says that there will come some time from your own brothers, God will raise up a prophet like me, only more so, and you must listen to what he says and do it. They were looking for that prophet. These people are saying that's the one. And now the Messiah, the worshipers in the temple sang of Yahweh's anointed. That's what Messiah means. The best example in all scripture is Psalm 2. It's actually worth memorizing. I confess I haven't done that. Maybe I won't even be able to. And then it's interesting because we were studying this psalm this week, and the more I thought about it, in this psalm, it talks about that someone will rule from Zion where there is flowing a river that will bring joy. And I now believe this is a metaphoric prophecy of Jesus and ultimately the Holy Spirit, okay? He's promising the living water of the Spirit will flow from those who are always believing in him. Again, Jesus is promising the living water of the Spirit. But some were saying, not of Galilee the Messiah is coming. Has not scripture said that from the seed or descendant singular of David and from the village of Bethlehem where David was, Messiah is coming. Now the first huge prophecy of this was given through the prophet Samuel or the prophet Samuel recorded it. Nathan said to David, one of your descendants will be the eternal king. Okay, now as far as the location, Bethlehem, that came from Micah, that Messiah would be born there. And so John goes on to say, therefore, division is being among the people because of him. 
And it's very interesting. Um, you don't even have to know Greek. The original says schism, and it came straight into English, meaning something that is a division of people. And then this first half begins with these words, and, and they're pretty powerful. It's through many parts of the gospel. We're told some were desiring to seize him, but no man laid hands upon him. You see, God has always been in control, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it was not yet Jesus' time to die. That would come in a couple years. And then this passage in John concludes, and I'll give you the highlights first. The officers or the guards of the temple, certain Levites, went to the chief priests about Jesus speaking And they're called deceived by the religious leaders. But Nicodemus questions these charges to be rebuked. And then we'll spend some time in this psalm because it's very powerful. It praises God for his provision for creation and his steadfast, strong love. So it starts out now here with the chief priests and Pharisees questioning the temple guards because they didn't bring Jesus, and they say, never man spoke like this man. And then the Pharisees who have not believed are calling their own guards deceived. So again, let's look at it, and this is pretty dramatic And and it's got repetition, but just let it soak in, okay? Then came the chief, the guards of the temple to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said, the Pharisees, why have you all not brought him? Now, before Jesus gave this promise of the Spirit, you can look up about one paragraph, and you can see that already they wanted to imprison Jesus. They were extremely upset. But these officers, these guards, they say, never man spoke like this man. And I've given you references in both Matthew and Mark, and I'm sure you remember it from your gospel readings. Jesus spoke with authority that everyone knew, both his friends and his enemies. And then they answer to them, the Pharisees. So they're saying to these guards after they say, this man's speaking with authority. Not also you all have been deceived. Not any of the rulers have believed in him, nor of the Pharisees. Now, that's not quite true. But the majority of the Jewish leaders are saying that Jesus has led these guards, these officers astray. And they claim that none of the rulers of the people of the Pharisees have believed in Jesus. They continue, this is an exact quote, but this people not knowing the law, cursed they are being. Okay, They are proud of their knowledge of scripture, especially Torah or instruction of God given through Moses. And in their minds, they are sure that any of their people, any of the Jews believing in Jesus are under a curse 
from God. Now, here's the sad paradox of this, and we know the rest of the story. After Jesus died for the sins of people and rose from the dead to give life to the full, to all who live a life of belief in him, in Jesus. After this happened, sadly, sadly, it became clear to all with faith and the help of the Holy Spirit that these leaders were being led astray by their pride. And now we come to the climax of our section. Nicodemus, who had come to Jesus earlier, is saying, is our law judging the man before he may be heard? And they answered derisively, demanding he examine if prophets come from Galilee. So now let's go through this in more detail. Nicodemus, and I love what his name means. I'm sure I've said this before. The Greek word Nike, and by the way, that's a sneaker company. It means victory. Okay? When you expand it out to Nicodemus, it means one who experiences victory. So his parents named him Conqueror when he was born. And he's saying to them, he having come to him, Jesus, earlier, and being one of them, the Sanhedrin, not our law is judging the man. If not, it may be heard first from him, and it may be known what he is doing. So again, Nicodemus, who had previously come to Jesus at night, and I went back and looked this up in the gospel. He, was a, he said, Jesus, you are a teacher from God. He had already discerned that. But Jesus, as he always does, challenges people who come to him. And he had given him an unexpected and hard lesson about being born from above. But notice what's going on. By the words he speaks here, it seems clear God has been working in his heart to the extent he is now moved to stand alone against the other 69 in his defense of Jesus. He's beginning to see who Jesus really is. Well, they answered and said to him, not also from Galilee are you being. And as I thought about this and prayed about this, there's a new word in our language the last two or three years called interrobang. And what it is, it's a question in the form of an exclamation. In other words, really? You? You're believing this? That's what they're saying to him. Thou must examine and thou must look for out of Galilee prophet is not being. So what they had said to the temple guards, they're taking it up a notch and repeating it and also rebuking Nicodemus for not correctly knowing and applying scripture according to their learned interpretation. Now, Again, here's a total irony. However, they are the ones who are ignorant. You see, Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. 
And I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, I wonder if because there was uh, a Roman census going on and it was chaotic and there were thousands and thousands, maybe 10,000 extra Jews in Jerusalem and Bethlehem in that area at the time, if the records just got mixed up and it was never recorded where Jesus was born. But here's a human flaw, and I've experienced this almost all my life, certainly since the time I was 20, for almost 50 years now. Humans often criticize others for the flaw that is strongest in themselves. They're calling Nicodemus ignorant because they're ignorant. But Nicodemus is not ignorant, okay? It's the Pharisees who are off. But now let's bring this just forward to now. I've already talked about, you know, how I make a lot of mistakes and I sometimes think I'm right when I'm not. And the ignorance I have is staggering. So may we all not be ignorant of God's will so that whenever we open read, and study scriptures. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what the truth is to us, regardless of our preconceived notions, our ignorance, or anything. And in this situation, the truth is Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and he's the bread of life. The promise he gave is true. So all who live by constant faith in him will be filled with God's spirit and have rivers of living water flowing from them. So to conclude our portion from John's gospel, Jesus promises, promises the living waters of the spirit. Now let's go to this psalm, which I would summarize as praise to the God who numbers the stars, who in his strength restores the afflicted who have been humbled and continually cares for his creation, showing his grace to those fearing him, hoping in his strong love. And we are always looking at a psalm with the gospel of John. And once again, I'm going to do my best to echo the Puritan Psalter. I'm going to do my best word-for-word translation from Hebrew to English. It'll be awkward, it'll be earthy, but I think it will be a blessing. So the very first phrase is praise Yah. And you know the Hebrew. Hallelujah. Okay, praise Yahweh. Continuing, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, praise is beautiful. With many synonyms, this anonymous psalmist who was a priest is extolling the virtues of praising God. Back to the psalm. Building up Jerusalem, Yahweh. Those cast down of Israel, he will gather. He is healing those who are brokenhearted and binding up their wounds. What sticks out to me is he's healing the brokenhearted. 
Okay. Yahweh is always building up and healing broken people, us. And he will gather together those who have been rejected. And I dare say there's no one who's hearing my voice right now who hasn't been rejected at one time or another. What a great comfort. Continuing, he's counting the number of the stars. To all of them names he will give. Great is our Adonai and great in strength. To his understanding, no number. This is all about the great creator. The creator is counting and actually naming all the stars that he has created. And he is of great strength and innumerable understanding. However high the number is you can count to, he's beyond that. And now right at the middle of our passage, the heart of it is so beautiful. Restoring the humble Yahweh, abasing the wicked of the earth. Now humble can mean humble or afflicted those who are almost oppressed. Creator Yahweh both restores those who are humble and have been humbled and executes justice on the wicked. He just does it in his own time, okay? But the creator provides for the humble. Continuing on, we get some commands, You all must sing to Yahweh with thanksgiving. You all must make melody to our God on plucked strings. That's a literal translation. God's people are commanded to sing to him with plucked stringed instruments. And I noticed in the King James that talked about a harp. Now, you know, we think of this big, huge harp that has to be on the floor. But I've seen some pictures in a Bible dictionary, and this is what David had. They had little handheld harps that you could hold against your chest, and they maybe had like 12 or 15 strings with the different notes. And so you could have a whole group of praise singers plucking on those instruments. Continuing, covering the heavens with clouds, Preparing for the earth rain, causing to spring forth on the hills grass, giving to the beasts bread, to ravens which will call. What's going on here? He's also providing for non-humans, animals that he created, all types of animals, land and sea. God brings rain for the land animals to provide the growth of grains which are the basic food even of his non-human creatures. And as creator, he provides for all the creatures he made. You know, even like the most humble little gerbil, okay? The creator provides for the humble. And here's the climax. Not in the strength of the horse he will delight. Not in the legs of a man is he pleased. Taking pleasure, Yahweh, in those fearing him, in those hoping in his steadfast, strong love. 
Here's the bottom line, people, of all of this put together. May we always be reverently fearing God and hoping in his love to experience his continuing care so as to praise him and thank him and supremely praise and thank him for his son, Jesus Christ, the Savior who is the Messiah, the one that we heard about in John's gospel. Jesus fulfills all of scripture, Genesis to Revelation. Let's wrap it up now. Jesus promises the living water of the spirit to those who always believe in him, which leads to a division among the people that division still there today. Some say he is the prophet of whom Moses spoke, the Messiah promised through the line of David. Others think he's not because he's from Galilee or pride or whatever it may be, like the Jewish leaders who call him a deceiver. But Nicodemus came to his defense. Truly, Jesus is the one who God sent to show his ongoing care of creation through the grace and love of his son who came in human flesh and blood. And now that he's ascended, the promise that Jesus gave of the living waters of the spirit is for us. May we let the spirit flow through us so all may know the love and fear of God. Amen. And let us uh, now sing for our closing song, number 315, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Jesus. 
Amen. Christ is a solid rock on which he has built his church. We'll close with the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, which Solomon was inspired to write. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads. And masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless. And excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because this is to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether good or evil. So let's be in Christ, in the spirit, following him. And let's just sing this chorus that flushes out the Baltimore Catechism. What is the chief end of man? To know, love, and serve God. Number 106.